This podcast is originally released on the 1st of January 2023. Last week, we did a special interview with the Queen's photographer. This week, we chose a number one. Oh, by the way, there's a fire crackling, a real fire crackling throughout the interview. I've tried to get rid of it, but that's what the cracks are. I wanted to do something special for Christmas Day, and what we did was we went, oh no, the Queen is not going to be doing a message. I know the King did, but we missed the Queen, so we got Ken Lennox in, who's we the did. Queen's photographer, and he'd photographed her for 65 of her 70 years reign. That's incredible, isn't it? Amazing, mate. So I went, what am I going to do for the 1st of January? <laughs> and what did you decide, Stu? <laughs> Roll in another auntie. <laughs> I would dig out an old mate um, who has genuinely had one of the biggest number one records in the world ever. Well, that's very kind of you to say, Stu, yeah. But it's true, isn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, Marty Christian, who taught the world to sing. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) When he was in the New Seekers. Um, Although you'll always be a New Seeker, I think, to everybody, really. You can't get away from that, can you? That's the legacy, really, as you say, Stuart. Teach the World to Sing was kind of a a gentle peace anthem of the 70s, really, wasn't it? The the words and the, the sort of gentle music of the time. Yeah. It was brilliant. Everybody knew the words to that song. Mm. It wasn't one of my favourite songs, wasn't it? <laughs> but I was proud to have done it. No, yeah, no I love question. about it is that it was an accident. An advertising executive from um, was it uh, McCann Erickson? Erickson was at an airport, and his flight was delayed. Oh, hang on, this is a Do you know this story? Oh, this is a good one. His flight was delayed, and he wasn't actually that pleased. But he was looking around the airport, and there were people laughing and joking, drinking cans of coke, and he wrote down. I'd like to buy the world a Coke. All right. And these were the first lyrics. They were written down. He wrote them on a napkin. And who was it? Is he going to be Bill Backer? I think it might have been him. Yeah. We were in America and we were contracted to do about 20 jingles for Coke at that time. Yeah. And one of them happened to be that particular song. And what they used to do, you'd record the 30 or 60 second jingle and then they'd filter it out to all the radio stations and, yeah. and then gain the reactions, teach the world to sing like head and shoulders above everything else. And they said, wow, this, this is fantastic. Why don't we make it our flagship commercial of the time? Which is what they did. Do you know how many records it sold on the first day it was released? What, in England? Yeah. I think it was about 100,000, wasn't it? 96,000. So, unbelievable. Yeah, it was un- unheard of. Day. It was unheard of at Amazing. that time, yeah. And now it's sold over 12 million Mm. Wow, God, I haven't got the royalties for that then. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> I think Cook and Greenaway are pretty rich. Yeah, yeah, I reckon, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does make you smile. It, even when I hear it now, it makes me smile, that song. Yeah, as I say, it's a gentle song. Uh, the message is, well, it's messages forever, really. Yeah. You, know. you came from Australia yeah. on a ship. Funny, yeah, cruising, talk about cruising as well. The way it started for me... After dropping out from university, I decided to take it up more seriously and eventually ended up touring Australia and doing all that. And then I was teamed up with a guy called Crispian Simpedi. Do you remember him? Yeah. He had a huge number one records, Pied Piper. Yeah. Yeah. You're on my mind and stuff like that. And his manager was a guy called Ken Pitt. And amongst others, Ken managed, at that time, Manfred Mann. He managed Crispian and an unknown singer called David Bowie. Oh, my And so goodness. after touring around with, with, uh, with Crispy and Ken said, well, if you ever come to England, uh, look me up and I'll see if I can do something for you or whatever, you know. Um, and as it transpired, after about a year or so, a mate of mine called Colin Cook, who you also we know. know. and love Colin it's Cook. Sort of, yeah. yeah, wheels within wheels. Yeah. Uh, Colin ran up to me one day and he said, mate, I'm going to England. I've got a, um, I'm doing a duo on a, on a ship called the Fair Star. Well, Evan has been called up to go to Vietnam. 
and I needed another partner. Oh, my God. And so that's how I joined it. So both of us were performers on the Fair Star. And incidentally, the Seekers came to England on a sister ship called the Fair Sky. Really? Yeah, what? So it's how? interesting. Isn't it? What a coincidence! Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you and Colin were a, a duo. Do you want me to tell you a little story about uh, the cruise, the original cruise coming from Australia yeah, to England yeah. with Colin? Right. Well, when we got to um, Lisbon, that was our first port of call in, in Europe, and we thought, wow, fantastic. We, you know, we've got 24 hours there, and we're just going to go everywhere. Yeah. In fact, we're going to go to Spain. Oh. <laughs> so we hired a car, and there was another friend, friend, another Aussie friend of ours with us, and we drove all night. We went to the Spanish border, and we, we saw this, and we saw that, and we came back. Anyway, by the time we came back, the ship was leaving at, I can't remember, 10 o'clock in the morning or something, and we hit peak hour traffic at 9 Right, oh, so no. we're, we're coming back, and oh, anyway, so we're, we're going through it. Stop, start, stop, oh. start. Colin said, Listen, mate, you jump out, go and tell the captain that I'm just, you know, gonna, <laughs> that I'm just going to take the, the car back to the to the higher place, and I'll be back, you know, any second. So I said, oh, Okay, no problem, because we knew the captain quite well. So I went up the gangplank, saw the captain, I said, uh, uh, Colin won't be long. He's just, he said, You what? It's 10 o'clock, we're going now. I said, Matt, you can't go. He, he, his passport's here and, 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 and all his clothes. Are, they don't care. We're out of here, right? Oh, my goodness. So the next thing is, I mean, because we were oh, well known. Oh, we felt so awful. <laughs> we were very well known on, on the ship, being the entertainers. The ship starts pulling out. And by that time, everyone had heard about it. Oh. And they're all on the edge, and the, the ship's almost leaning over with people like looking. And suddenly, in the distance, you could see a taxi pulling up. Colin gets out, and there's, he looks like an ant, and he's waving. <laughs> <laughs> and all, all the ship are going like that. We're all waving. Oh, no. And anyway, Colin. and then he started running up and down the, the, the gangway there. And then I could see him getting on a tug. Yeah. And then the tug came all the way out to the middle where we'd stopped. And they put out a, uh, one of those rope ladders. <laughs> and Colin, and Colin got up the rope ladder to the most incredible cheers from oh, everyone. Oh, Christ. And then, of course, we got a bollocking from the, from oh, the captain. But, but yeah. I tell you what, it was worth it because that night when we were doing our gigs, it was just rocking. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. The not where I got the idea from Christian Price from, <laughs> oh. when, he, when he misses the ship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's wow. funny, isn't it, that going back through the years that we've known each other or kind of been parallel for so, for so long. Yeah. Well, nearly... How, must be nearly 40 years. Cause yeah. he... How did you get from there into the New Seekers? Ken Pitt, who was managing Bowie at the time. Your flatmate? No. Bowie left the previous morning and I took over his room right. for a period of a couple of months until I found my own accommodation. So I met David uh, on, on several occasions. In fact, we played guitar together in, in Ken Pitt's kitchen. And David hadn't had any hits or any major hits at that time. He'd, he'd done a few you know, songs and he actually did a film in Germany. It was like a half-hour special called Love You Till Tuesday. And one of the songs he sang in there, of course, was Space Oddity. And Ken Pitt had got him uh, various concerts in different places. And one of them was like either a song contest or something like that, Mallorca or, or one of those places. And his very first performance of, of Space Oddity was on this particular show. Right. After their divorce, after Ken Pitt and David uh, Bowie Parts left, their it, ways, yeah. Yeah. Ken had a lot of David's offshoot clothes. And he, he came up to me one day, said, I've got all these. I think they might fit you. Would you want to buy them? He wasn't kidding, right? I said, and I said, exactly. and I said, yeah, I love this shirt. I love that shirt there. And you know, I have this. So I bought these things. Yeah. 
And later on, when I joined the New Seekers, I used to wear these, you know, these various uh, bits and pieces. And one of the, the shirts, the shirt that David did his very first performance of Space Oddity. Wow. So that was it. And is this the shirt? It is the shirt that I do talk about on the cruise ships as well. Come on then, tell us more. And I'm glad glad Carol's not around. I don't know where she is at the moment. You know, I used to wear the shirt from time to time. And one day I went to look for it in the wardrobe and I flicked through and it wasn't there. I said, Carol, what's happened to the, you know, the, the, the shirt? He said, oh, it had holes under the arms and things like that. And I wrapped it up. I've taken it to the Oxfam shop. I said, you what? Oh, no. That could have been my pension. Yeah, it could. Was David Bowie, you know, was he as outrageous or did he become more and more outrageous? At that time, he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder when I met him. Oh, why? Well, I mean, probably for a couple of reasons where he was falling out with Ken Pitt as a manager. He's looking for new management. But also uh, Mark Boland was making it really big. Right. And I think he had a, a bit of an issue with, with Mark Boland being... Uh, more successful than him at the oh. time. So then the five of you were, did, were how, did you know the others or were you put together? David Joseph, who was our manager, I'd worked for David on various projects in Australia and he had a TV show called Commotion and he knew me from the Go Show, which was like an equivalent to Top of the Pops over right. here. And when he heard that I was in, in London, he tracked me down because he, he and Keith had got together. The Seekers had just disbanded and he... Uh, and Keith decided to form a new group, and he thought I'd be put in it. So um, he was very persuasive, introduced me to Keith, and they asked me to join. Fantastic. And the rest is history. Well, kind of history, because the original lineup was Eve Graham and myself and three others, Laurie, Chris, and Sally. Oh, so it wasn't Paul? No, no, no. And we toured around, we sort of started honing our talents and that learning new chords keith would show us all these chords on guitar and stuff and we went to the army bases here and there and everywhere but had no success yeah and at the end of the first year we were all ready to move on and do different things you know there were were contractual problems there were emotional problems and laurie chris and sally decided to form their own band i was going to just walk away eve was going to stay and then David Joseph said that he was going to get Peter Doyle to come from Australia. I'd worked with Peter in Australia and you knew what a great vocalist he was. And so that was the only reason I actually ended up staying. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, and yeah. you already, you and Peter were already... So when did Paul join then? Well, they all, the three of them joined. Lynn, Paul and Peter joined at the same time. Right, right. And that was so three departed and three came in. And how many records did you actually put out before? I, th- I think there was an album and maybe one or two singles that didn't do anything. All this happened in Great Yarmouth. We were doing our one and only summer season. Yeah. In those days, we had a 15-minute act, and so they all knew the act. And from one night to the next, three departed, three three new moved in, and the audience were none the wiser. I did my first summer season at Great Yarmouth. Did you? Golden Years of Musical. That was at the Theatre Royal, I think. Right. Yeah, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it there. Well, that's actually where I met Carol as well. Oh. Yeah, and we only got together probably in the last week of the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah, an historic moment there too. So what was the first hit you had? The first hit was uh, Look With It Unto My Song, Oh. Which was a hit in America before anywhere else. I love that song. Yeah. yeah. So what happened with that? Eve sang the lead, and we all did the oohs and ahs and strummed in the background. But in the actual record has got Laurie, Chris and Sally on it. Oh. Right? So the record was released whilst we were in Great Yarmouth, and nobody wanted to know in England about it. You know, no one wanted to take it up. So it was released in America on Electra, 
Now, Electra, as you know, was a very avant-garde record yeah. company. Yeah. Uh, they had Carly Simon yep. and the Doors and, you know. Jack Holzman, who was the um, the head of Electra at that time, absolutely loved the song. He said, I've got to get it out. And it got top five, sold over two and a half million records. Nice. And our career, in fact, started in America. Yeah. And Eurovision. Ah, oh, that's another story. Do you want to hear that? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, uh, funny, I, I do all the you know the various anecdotes and stories on, on the cruises. And I think at this point I should mention... We are old buddies, all of us. Yeah. You've been doing the cruises since time immemorial. <laughs> and the story is this, that one day I was strolling down, I can't remember, I was in a park somewhere walk, walking around with Carol and some other friends, and I got this phone call. It happened to be Stuart. He said, mate, uh, you've got loads of stories. Why aren't you doing cruise talks? I said, what are you talking about? I, he said, well, I, I, I do these, and I, th- I think you'd be really good at them. And I'll, and I'll mention you. I said, well, I've never done a talk before. I just hide behind my guitar. I don't know. I can't talk, you know. He said, "Ah, oh, you've got all the stories. You must have stories in that, you know. Anyway, the upshot of it was that I took the bait and Stuart, he sold me to, to an agent who then looked me up on Google and said, yeah, I think he could do it. <laughs> I didn't actually sell it. <laughs> Please, let's get that. <laughs> it was a blessing in disguise because suddenly I was trawling back through my history. I know. Probably yeah. things that I've forgotten now. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're all sort of pigeonholed in, yeah. in, in those things. And, and uh, yeah. The sad thing is that we never collected it. You know, you talk no. about people, they have their iPhones now, yeah. taking selfies all the yeah, time. Yeah, everybody's got their Instagram you history. And stars, we haven't got any of that. With. The stars I worked with, yeah. I don't have yeah. pictures of any of it. I, I'm, I'm lucky I do have some. And, and of course, a lot of the, the fan magazines had them, so they, I could pick a few anecdotes yeah. and stories out of that. You know, you had a massive career, and it was amazing, but you kind of forget as you get older. You do, you do. And so you lose a little bit of yourself, really. And so I think to look back, on it and to bring it all to life again yeah it was kind of cathartic at that time exactly. because as you rightly say you you do the older you get you you forget ma- major events or minor events, anything and then to document them and just remember the funny little anecdotes and stories of the people that you met and you know i mean we did nixon's inauguration and they say that his favorite song was teach the world to sing while he was bombing cambodia and flattening oh. vietnam <laughs> yeah. like Are you addicted to travel? I mean, I I think I am because I spent the whole of my career traveling the world, filming. And now I go around the world on a cruise ship talking about it. It's like I feel at home somehow. Yeah. Well, travel was always in my blood, very much like you, Stu. Um, It's like as a kid, it was an ambition of mine always to do that. And it's just continued on, you know. And as you say, the, the, the cruise aspect of it, gives us the facility to see all these different places, yeah. even though it might be just a glimmer. And you think, oh, I love this place. I'll come back to it sometime. Yeah. So, you know, it's exactly. I, th- I think that's it, isn't yeah. it? Because there are most places you go to and you enjoy them, but you wouldn't necessarily go back. But no. some places, they yeah. really stick with you, don't yeah. they? And we're lucky enough to be able to see them when yeah. we're on the ship. So. very lucky. I think we should mention when we first met, because I, I, I love the fact that I do have a picture of that. When we met in... 1978. Mm-hmm. I do remember it. Uh, to explain, I was um, a DJ on Metro Radio, um, and I remember introducing you. You literally flew in. Yeah. There were three of you, I think. It was you, Paul, and... It would have been Cathy. Oh. Kathy, yeah, Kathy. yeah. Yeah, it was Cathy. And, and you and I have got like 26-inch waists. We're still <laughs> sticks. <laughs> what are you talking about, mate? <laughs> oh, but that is a, a, a long time ago. And then... Yeah. Uh, then we, I think we met at Colin Cook's parties up. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I saw you when you were doing, you were doing the Eurovision choices, weren't you? On yeah, there. we had to do... You were yeah. there every week, That's right, because we, we were asked to do the Eurovision 
And in those days, the, the setup was a lot different. And they had the finalist songs. There were six finalist songs. And we had to do them live, one yeah. every every week. And then, then the audience would vote for the best one at the end of the time. And I remember on one occasion, I can't remember which song it was, but one of the six, my guitar string broke just before. Because it was all live in those days. Yeah. There was no miming. You, yeah. you went there and you did this, this song live. And my guitar string broke. And the guy was doing the announcement and everything else. And Cliff actually just gave me uh, gave me his guitar. Oh, did he? For that particular one. That was I was at school then. We used to have um, study period, last period on a Friday. We used to bunk off that, jump on the train, and go to Shepherd's Bush. Yeah. And then my dad used to come and pick us up afterwards. And those were the days. I know you enjoy doing the ships and you enjoy travelling. Do you uh, often sit on mixed tables in the evening when you go to dinner? Yeah, from time to time, because you meet some fantastic people. Mm. I mean, from all walks of life, and it's an, that's an education in itself. Mm. It's one of my favourite parts, yeah, is to I actually too. sit and, uh, on a table. Obviously, you get recognised straight away because you are a face, as it were. Well, not really. No? In days of old, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so do you sit there sometimes and people don't know who you are at first, and then all of a sudden it clicks? Yeah, after you've done the talk, they go, oh, it's you, is it? Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, the classic is you're introducing the members of the group. So this was Eve Graham, then you've got Lynn Paul, and you've got Peter Dorr, and this is Paul Leighton. And it's a little story about all of them. Yeah. And this was me. And then you see this, and I go, yeah, it was. <laughs> it says so in my passport. <laughs> yeah, so, the, you know, the face that you see there is different, yeah. obviously. So what makes you choose the cruise now? Usually destination. Destination. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, you know, that's just kind of thing. Because I mean, we've been fortunate enough to see wonderful, wonderful places. Uh, I know you're going to Brazil. We are. And I asked way. you whether yeah. you were going at the same time as the uh, the big carnival. Carnival, Because yeah. Carol and I were lucky enough to, to go to one of those, and that was just phenomenal. Fabulous, yeah. Yeah, yeah Brazil's been on my to-do list for a long time, so we jumped at it, yeah. even though it's only just come back. Sweet champagne, fruit. Oh, all the time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you prefer big ships or small ships? I've done well. The, only the biggest one was the the um, PNO Azura, which yeah. was quite a big ship, and it's a beautiful ship. And I really like that. But I, I, I must admit, I like the intimacy of the smaller ones because yeah. a lot of the ones I did are Fred Olsen ones, and uh, I think they, they have about eight or nine hundred right? passengers, and you know. So I love the piano bar on the small ships. Mm-hmm. Now, funny enough, we've just been on the Iona, which has got Gary Barlow's club. Gary Barlow actually performed on the ship, which was a bonus but he's got a club there where four top class musicians just play a jazz night yeah it's quite a small room people that have never been on a cruise ship really have no idea because you've got the top top entertainers in the world because yeah. there's, there's not many venues for different acts to work on land yeah and the cruise ships take the creme de la creme i mean you're seeing west end productions yeah you know, full out productions Absolutely. and they're just phenomenal yeah yeah I always say to people, if you didn't enjoy your cruise, you probably chose the wrong ship. Or the yeah, yeah, that's right. There are different there types. Is, they're all different ships. Absolutely. Got to... The so, next one, you've got one booked, haven't you? We've got one going to uh, the Bahamas. Lovely. Yeah. And then Carol and I, taking an extra little trip after that, we, we decided to go back to um, to Cuba. So we'll finish in the Bahamas, then fly to Miami, and then that takes us to Cuba, and we'll probably spend 10 days before coming home. So that's January gone. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's the trouble. The yeah. years go by, don't they? <laughs> What a way to go. Yeah. What a way to go. Way to yeah. go. Marty, really, thank you very much for doing that. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you and, uh, guys for having me. Guys, if you've not seen Marty on a ship... Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> because they're just tales you will not hear anywhere else. Yeah. No one else can tell these tales. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers, man. To put that interview into perspective, when Marty says his guitar string broke just before he went on to sing a prospective song for Eurovision... 
and Cliff handed him his guitar. He meant Cliff Richard. And the Australian pop star Colin Cook, he referred to, had a little-known backing singer. The late, great Olivia Newton-John. So, if you get a chance to see the celebrity guest Marty on a ship, don't miss out on the rock and pop history. Our other celebrity interviews in the You Cruise Doris Visits podcast include the Holby City actor Robert Dawes. He chats with us on being a crime author, as well as a celebrity guest on cruise ships. I chat with Francis Rossi in Fiji, a stop we return to a few times on World Cruise Visit. And the Christmas two-part special with photographer of the Queen for over 65 years, Ken Lennox. Again, not to be missed. Fascinating, gripping tales of the royal family. Now, David, we didn't talk to you last week as it was a special on the Queen. I went to the dentist last week. He treated me like royalty. He told me I needed a crown. I think that's probably why we didn't let you on with photographer Ken Lennox. These photographers, first they shoot you and then they frame you. And then they hang you. At least back in the old days, they used to spend some time developing you first. David, it was a special about the Queen. Had I been invited, I would have thoroughly enjoyed drinking a cup of tea with the Queen. None of the royal family were here. We interviewed someone who worked with the royal family for 65 years. There was no old stock footage... Just us in the studio with Ken Lennox and T. Now that would have been spending time with Royal T. The tale of the huge Coke advert number one song, I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing, told by the man who sung it, Marty Christian, wraps up our festive season interviews. Nice connection to the season as Santa has been featured in Coke ads since the 1920s, starting with a strict looking clause. Thomas Nast drew the pictures for Coke, and he was the artist who changed Santa from having a tan coat to being red. In 1930, he painted Santa in a crowd drinking a bottle of Coke, which appeared in department stores and the Saturday Evening Post in December that year. No tech tip and no chapter from the cruise thriller A Cruise Ship Heist, because the complete audiobook is available on the You Cruise Doris Visits YouTube Port Guide and Ship Tour channel youtube.com backslash at Doris Visits or during your next coffee break peruse our website dorisvisits.com Our first cruise stops this year will be in Brazil look out for the Port Guide films have a great new year life is easier looking forward to a great cruise we look forward to seeing you on a ship this year happy new year